You're listening to the Dirty Dozen Podcast, a podcast for music fans where musicians and friends share some drinks and talk about the top 12 songs in a year without all that technical jargon. Join us for episode 62. This week, we'll discuss the best songs of 1995. Let's take a second to remember 1995. The Rock and Roll Hall of Fame opens up in Cleveland, Ohio. eBay launches on the World Wide Web. Sony PlayStation is released. UCLA won a national championship in hoops. And the Oklahoma City bombing rocks the Midwest. TV shows that premiered that year included News Radio and The Drew Carey Show, while Full House, Blossom, and Empty Nest played their last episodes. Top movies included GoldenEye, Toy Story, Apollo 13, The Usual Suspects, Outbreak, and Get Shorty. As for the music, what a great year for music. For that, let's turn it over to your hosts, Rob Heitman, Jacob Newkirk, and a man who keeps spending most of his life living in a gangster's paradise, Ben <laughs> Zabbit. Hey, welcome to the Dirty Dozen Podcast. Well, we'll rank the Dirty Dozen or top 12 songs from 1995 while discussing this year's music and pounding back a few drinks. I'm Rob. I'm Jake. And I'm Ben. Living in a gangster's paradise. Yeah, that's right. right. <laughs> I've always said that about you. He's got these awesome gold chains that are just hanging down. It's almost kind of like flavor flame. And his cornrows. Yeah, boy. Yep. Well, I think that's you, Jake. <laughs> <laughs> no, Jake's got dreads, not cornrows, yeah. which is actually true. <laughs> we like to give everybody who's been active on Facebook, thank you all for letting us know the artists you want to hear next year. That's been great. We have a long list. I'm going to start voting a week from today when this comes out. So look for that. Be involved with that because you're going to be picking the songs. While I can't give a shout out to everyone, I like to call out a few each week. I'd like to thank Dana Hennon, Michael Smith, Susan Rodwell, and Christina Jarno. Thank you for being part of the community. Now, Ben, what do you remember about 1995? Well, I thought it was interesting. eBay actually came out in 95. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Wow. I, I did not know that. Mm-hmm. But you mentioned PlayStation. I remember PlayStation coming out, the PS1, and oh, he got the disc and all that type of stuff mm-hmm. and playing it, right? And that system. It'd never make it. It's not going to. How is it going to impact Genesis? Come on. Genesis has such yeah. a strong market position. <laughs> right, right. Another one you mentioned in there, Toy Story. That that was big. The the whole changing of animation and that whole path that has gone down over these last so many years now. So that was a big one to come out then. The whole story behind all that. It's funny how amazing that looked at the time. Yep. It was like, oh my gosh, how could yeah. they do that? That's just And now it's just like so mundane. Right. Nothing was like Toy Story is right. when Toy Story came out. Yep, yep. So Jake, anything? Nope. <laughs> Nothing? Nothing's interesting. I don't know. It's. I was in high school. I know that. I was surprised at how many really great albums came out. Because you know, we pick different years for the 90s and kind of just jump in and see what happened. But I was like, whoa, that came out in 95. That, that one too. And these are like ones that I hold dear to this day. So it was, it was a good year. For me, of course, it was Pierce Brosnan and Goldeneye. Uh-huh. It was so good. It's his best movie of his series and James Bond. I'm a James Bond guy anyway. The whole uh, Zinya on a top. And she used to crush people while having sex with them with, <laughs> with her thighs. Oh my. It was just kind of fun as a villain. You know, it's not like some guy throwing a hat. No, no, no. No more foreplay. Oh, uh, but <laughs> it was a really good Bond. It was that they had twists and turns that you never get from Bond movies. And I always thought of that. And it also leads into one of the best video games to tie it into PlayStation, oh. but it was actually Nintendo. Yeah, 64. Yep. Nintendo 64, mm. GoldenEye video game. It's the first time that I was playing a, sh- a first-person shooter anywhere, really, I think. 
And I remember playing it and my parents would even play it. It was one of those things that everybody was just so amazed that right. that's even possible. Sneaking around a corner and, uh, and sniping your mom. Yeah. And, and planting bombs for them to walk by and blow up. Yeah. That was such a good game. So, we I, still play that actually to this day. I, I got the boys playing it. Oh, you have an emulator or something? No, we got. I oh, got you have an N64 64. with it? Oh, really? Nice. Yep. Nice. Went on eBay. <laughs> Join me in a belt of scotch. It's 9.30 in the morning. Yeah, but I haven't slept in days. We are drinking few great bourbon whiskey from Chicago, of all places. Oh, it is? It's Chicago oh. bourbon. It's this whole new American craft bourbon type of thing. The few, the proud, the Chicago's distilleries. What's your thought? Yeah, I like it. Why is it pretty good? Uh, I like the... Uh like the color it has to it that sounds racist <laughs> well it is chicago <laughs> right i'm not good at picking out the notes but it has a little bit of the spice on the uh the yeah. tail end there which is good uh, but not too strong that finish just kind of stays with you there yeah so. you get the caramel is what i get most of all and the spice like you mentioned of course it's kind of woody a little bit that's little, what i was gonna say got some speaking of, of toy story ha. <laughs> <laughs> Hey, who's got my hat? Look, I'm Woody. Howdy, howdy, howdy. Aha, aha, give me that. We're also going to be drinking something else. Jake brought us uh, something to have after we have some bourbon. Because I don't know if you know it, when you start drinking bourbon, after you've had a couple, maybe two or three or four, it's time for beer. (laughs) We have uh, Guinness Nitro Cold Brew Coffee, which I'm kind of curious to try. Because I've seen these sort of things out there, but I not try them. Yeah, I thought I, it was a good occasion to. Because I like nitro cold brew. Yeah, you know, like at Starbucks or something, yep. or whichever coffee shop yeah. you attend. And Guinness. Yeah, and that's Guinness. So it's Irish cold brew with a kick. Before we begin, we'll be critically reviewing the songs of 1995, and we'll share around 20 seconds of each tune, unless there is a specific issue or criticism that we may need to highlight, and then we may do a second clip. We have made Apple Music and Spotify playlists. Just search Official Dirty Dozen on either service to listen to each of our lists in their entirety. This way, all the money for playing tunes will always head back to the artists we discuss. We have also created a current episode Dirty Dozen podcast playlist, which will automatically update with each podcast to the current podcast. So subscribe once and always be updated. We decided to link a song with the year the album was released because songs can chart in multiple years, and we felt this was the best way to avoid duplication over the podcast. The way this works is we each combine our individual top 12 lists to create the official Dirty Dozen for 1995. We'll count down the official list from 12 to 1, nice and simple. But before we get going with the list, we'll each talk about a song that wouldn't be in our top 12, but we'd still like to discuss. We call this our song of note. So Ben, what's your song of note? Yeah, so my song of note is Tonight Tonight by Smashing Pumpkins. I remember when this album came out, or at least what I remember, there wasn't a lot of these where it was a double disc album. Yeah. And yeah. I was like, oh yeah, this is great. And, you know, big fan of Smashing Pumpkins at that time anyways. And so, you know, went out and got it and so happy that I had, uh, you know, the two discs set for that. This one became my song of note. I just like how drums that they have going through here. It goes from the tap, tap roll, and then he has the the rim shots inside there. Mm-hmm. Uh, you got the strings, you know, you got the little bit of a slower song. I just always love uh, Billy Corgan's voice, just 
throughout all of their songs and just thought they they did a good job with this and they actually did this song with 30 piece orchestra from yeah. chicago symphony orchestra which i thought was great uh, see few chicago yeah. there, there we go, go. look That's how we tie that in on the song of note look at that oh, okay i see what you did there so um yeah this is my song of note yeah, we briefly talked about this in the Smashing Pumpkins podcast, mm-hmm. which was episode 52. There's only one of us that had it on our list. Who was it, me? It yeah. was me. <laughs> yeah. All the rest of those people didn't even care for the song. Let me tell you, I, they don't like well, it. Well, there was just better ones. <laughs> yep. For me, the melancholy and the infinite sadness is pretty much the best Smashing Pumpkins album, or very close to it. It may have a couple fillers in it, but yeah. it's a double album, it. so... Right, it's going to happen. Yeah, there's a lot of good stuff on there. Tonight, Tonight's a great song. It's orchestral, yeah, as you said. And the pegigated chords and the verses, all that stuff, it's, it's awesome stuff. As you said, drums kill it. So mm-hmm. let's listen to Ben's song of note, Tonight, Tonight, off of Melancholy and the Infinite Sadness by the Smashing Pumpkins. Okay, that was Ben's song of note tonight. Tonight, love the drums in there. So, Jake, what is your song of note? I went with a uh, a song from a band called Mr. Bungle because this is probably the only chance I would ever be able to throw in a Mr. Bungle song in this podcast. So this this album's Disco Volante, probably one of the least listenable ones of theirs, but you know they're very avant garde kind of progressive band. But this song I picked is Merry Go Bye Bye. It's an almost thirteen minute track, but the song really is only about six minutes. There's a lot of noise and, and not noise going on in it. But I like it because it's a strong contrast of styles in one song that Mr. Bungle does well. It's almost like a 50 song starts off. Yeah. And then it jumps into the psychedelic trip. Thing. Like death metal stuff. Yeah. yeah. It's totally experimental. This album is like jazz, pop noise, techno, thrash metal. And not many bands get away with it. Not saying they did get away with it. But every album just didn't sound like the one before. But the musicians are just amazing. And uh, of course, Mike Patton is singer in the band and does other weird stuff too but mike patton is also the singer for faith no more just yeah as, in case you didn't and, know that and many other bands yeah this song is just kind of quirky and weird and it was uh an album that came out that's pretty the, cool the couple things that jump out at me disco valente mm-hmm. if you ever watch the movie thunderball mm-hmm. yeah. that's the name of the boat that the specter uses to get the nuclear bombs yeah. in it. and i think around this time mr bungle used to um cover that thunderball song oh, okay that makes yeah. sense so mm-hmm. that's totally- it was like tom jones right the Sang it or something? Is it or not? Yeah, Tom Jones sang that song in Thunderball. Yeah. Mr. Bungle, I love. Uh, One critic, I don't remember his name, I apologize. Called this album the equivalent of a David Lynch movie. Yeah. (laughs) It's it's weird. It's disturbing, kind of dark. Yep. And really, bo- it takes you on a ride. It's it's bizarre. And it's like the one before this that came out was like a circus um, nightmare ska metal thing. So it was just such a departure from what they did before. But that's what makes them cool. This was odd to me because I'll admit I've never listened to these people. <laughs> you know, when it started out, it just it reminded me of this like Beach Boys. They might yeah. be giants type of theme going on there and then you get into that like heavy guitar and 80s video games in the background oh, yeah, just digital sounds kind of all over the places very very odd yep. all right let's listen to merry go bye bye <laughs> by mr bungle jake's song of note yeah. 
Wait, it's not all 13 minutes? <laughs> I'm out of here. <laughs> all right, that was Mr. Bungle Jake's Song of Note. I know I only gave you 20 seconds, but realize that's a 13 and a half minute song or something like that. Yeah, around there. Yeah, and that has a hidden track at the back end of it. The first six minutes is really all you need to hear of that song. Yeah. All right, my Song of Note is... A New York band I liked because I heard them on local radio stations. A punk band called Civ. Mm. Name of the song is One Minute More off of the Set Your Goals album. I love the beat in the intro paired with that like heavy guitar tone. This song is probably much bigger on the East Coast, actually. Verse feels so good. He has that cadence, but it's understandable when he starts pounding through it. It's not like anything that I'm not understanding what he's saying the whole time. Sammy's drumming is exceptional with all these fills that he has in it. Sammy Sigler is their drummer. I didn't realize that it was Luke Collier from Sick Sick of It All on the bridge. I heard it. I figured it was just one of the other members of the band who's not the singer (laughs) who stepped up and wanted to do something, right? Because it's very harsh, his part, I think. Like you said, vocally, Sick of It All is very different than than this band because he, you know, the typical um, New York hardcore punk bands didn't have that clean vocal that he did. The video was kind of a Jerry Springer type of thing, but, right. I, but when I looked at it, I was like, they could have done a lot more with it. I wanted to see actual people fighting and stuff. It was just more of a, it was very vanilla. Yeah. And, and I was like, they could have done so much more with it. It's so good. It's funny, so because uh, I remember this song from Beavis and Butted. It, it was came on there, and, okay. and yeah. the, they made fun of it and called him Montel Jordan. <laughs> Williams, Montel Williams. Montel Williams, yeah. yeah. <laughs> I don't know if it was really making fun of I watched the whole thing. It was more of a, they just went down the ripping on talk show host not necessarily on them yeah so ben any thoughts listening to it it definitely made in the top 25 i actually liked it good punk sound as you mentioned the drums in there to me it had the uh, punk ska and a little bit of big band i I thought it was good i like the guitars they did in there too all right let's listen to my song of note one minute more by sim Okay, that was my song of note. One minute more by Siv. Cool pick. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the main event. And now we're going to be doing the Dirty Dozen. <laughs> we're into the main event. <laughs> so here we go. all right here we go ready to rumble and i think this first pick on number 12 will set the tone for where we are (laughs) oh boy i mean okay this is our number 12 song overall by a band called down off of the nola album it's stone the crow jake's number three man it's only number 12 yeah there you go i'll just have to say if i had to pick one album from this year it would be this um this could have easily been my number one but factoring in popularity and maybe other songs that were a little bit more familiar to others wow this album is close to my heart changed my life and actually influenced my drumming style incredibly jimmy bauer is like one of my favorite drummers ever but it's a super group if you don't know made of guys who grew up together in new orleans like pantera and coc and crowbar guys and they wanted to just write some songs that kind of tipped their hat to sabbath and skin or some roots from what they came up from i think it's a timeless band 
goes through the ages because they just did a 25th anniversary too they played this whole album they did like a pay-per-view kind of thing that i did i watched with my buddy yeah this was the side if you listen to our uh, pantera podcast we talked a little mm-hmm. bit about mm-hmm. phil when he was going on his side projects and even in some of his earlier videos with pantera he was wearing a down yeah t-shirt. he had it on yep. yeah yeah and that was eventually what initially broke up the band it was a, a contribution for sure yeah. yeah 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 i mean while this this song isn't particularly my favorite on the album but it makes sense to put it as the pick for 1995 since I think it was their only kind of mainstream hit anyway. Um, but it really is a killer riff and you can just feel the swamp and when that slippery riff comes in, it's just blues all I over. didn't even know what Stone the Crows meant. Yeah, I don't know if it means it's, much. It, but, no, it's a British term. Oh, it's, okay. oh, what is it? Hey, you know, Jake is the new drummer for Ozzy Osbourne. Well, Stone the Crows. I can't oh. believe that. You know what I mean? So it's like an uh, expression. expression of excitement and disbelief. Oh. So. It's just what they use, and that's what it's from. I was kind of curious. I had no idea. And the beginning of the song almost sounds like Cream. That's the kind of vibe I got from it. Yeah, it's it's the blues, man. Pepper Keenan, I think, wrote the the riff from that from COC. Yeah, um, Pepper and you Keenan can tell. Great. You yeah. could tell. I mean, uh, that guy is, is amazing. Absolutely. Alcimo said the lyrics came out of nothing, really. Even when we recorded the record, I really didn't, you know, any set of <laughs> lyrics. So a lot of them, they're just like bullshit, man. Really, they just fit the song. I don't even think when people sing that song live with us out in the audience, they don't know what they're, they don't know what the f they're saying. <laughs> it's just the pattern to it. They know the notes. F it, you know, it's, it's good enough. <laughs> Phil said that? Yeah, that's him yeah. talking about his lyrics. I always love your Phil impression. Yeah, I know. <laughs> I was a little less graphic than I normally would yeah. be. I think if I had a couple more drinks in me, it would be bad. <laughs> ben, what do you think about Stone the Crows? Crow, uh, yeah, so it was their most popular song. For me, it was a good 90s rock song, like the drums, a guitar solo in there. Towards the end, you got the feedback, and you got good guitar riffs throughout there. So, Okay, let's listen to number 12, Stone the Crow by Down. Let's get it. That was number 12, Stone the Crow by Down. Oh, he didn't open up his. I'm going to take yours. No, I'm taking that one. <laughs> right? It's just like a sip. I'm like, whoa, this is, it's more coffee than beer, but I like that. Rob, you're not going to like it at all. Mm, you just pass yeah, it back yeah, over yeah. here. <laughs> if you do three full shots of whiskey, <laughs> I'll give it to you. Yeah, right. <laughs> <laughs> you down the rest of that bottle. Yeah, right there. there you go, right? <laughs> chug, chug. All right. Our number 11, the reason why this number three song by one of us is number 11 and not number 12 it came down to any tiebreakers i want the media no (laughs) the media and what they ranked it because i have the media rankings for this because i didn't know that ben was going to be or you would be here because everybody let's just take a second to congratulate (laughs) jake his his new son yeah thanks sleeping when you can and uh lots of energy drinks medicine breastfeed did you know that i read that no i read it i wrote it down and then i read it <laughs> i believe everything i read there you go and we've allowed you to escape and rachel's allowed you to escape so tell rachel i said <laughs> yes, thank you big thanks for <laughs> all right our number 11 is ben's number three the name of the song mm. is lump by mm. the presidents of the united states of america they should do it's Trump. It's Trump. <laughs> it's Trump. Oh, I'm sure. <laughs> oh, that would have been good. Uh, oh, so tell us about Lump. Yeah, I've always liked uh, Presidents of the United States. Multiple songs on this album that I like. But for this one, 
just a fun song to listen to starts out with just the drums then you got the guitar coming in at the chorus i like the sound of the guitar good bass throughout the song i like it a lot i mean it's one of those staple 90s songs like i hear it i'm like i'm glad this made the list Mm -hmm. and another seattle band making the list so it's all good yeah believe it or not they're from seattle and they used to get some flack they don't sound like anything like nirvana or yep. grunge or soundgarden or chris cornell actually yeah camped in a band's defense what what do you say he said he explained that the city has always represented a wide array of musical genres if it wasn't for grunge all of them would have been overlooked he's just glad to see hmm. some other genres kind of make it out because he knew them playing in the area. It wasn't their scene, but he knew that they were there. And it's great that yeah. the popularity of grunge kind of let them people see that. The exposure to the place. Even if they're not grunge. It's yeah. funny because I went to Seattle with a friend. It was like many years after grunge had like come and gone. And I was Is looking- his friend in Allison Chains? No, no, no. <laughs> but we went to see us and it was the, we went up there to see us and chains regroup. Like they, they were just coming back. What was the tsunami when that happened? There was a big benefit. Right, right, I, right. I can't tell you the year that happened, but I was looking through the Seattle weekly and just for the, you know, the hell of it to look. And in the back, there were all these classifieds for bands looking for whatever. And they all said, no grunge, no grunge. Like they're looking, cause I think oh, really? everyone just went there to try and like do grunge bands and like ride those coattails, but no one wanted anything to do with it. It was locals. Yeah, Jake has went to lunch with some of the members of House and Chains. It was dinner. It was dinner. I'm sorry. <laughs> I'm sorry. An early dinner. Maybe a supper you could go. <laughs> and breakfast. But that was later. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you know, when you sleep together, you just have a... Hey, you know, sometimes when you have a rock star in front of you, what are you going to do? <laughs> Oh, jeez. <laughs> uh, yeah, the, the beat and the vocal attack of this is so good. She's lump, she's lump. It's just so catchy. Mm. It's such a short song, too. It is, yeah. It's like 2.14, I think. But yeah, it's about a girl who seems to be zombieing. I call it zombieing through life. You're hanging out at rock shows and living what seems to be a forgettable life. Yeah, it's funny. This band, I went back and forth with liking them all through this, you know, when they came out. But... I was always intrigued at the simplicity of this because it's a three-piece band already. Yep. The drums are stripped down. Like I think he only has a splash cymbal. The guy plays a bass guitar with only two strings, but that's it's impressive to make a solid song with that minimalist uh, approach. And I think it, my, a friend told me that this guy does um, children's albums now. Really? Oh, really? Cas- Casper Baby Pants. Uh, wasn't Fizzling's Fun House? Was that it? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> wink, wink. <laughs> not, not say no more. But no, there's it, actually, because I looked it up, because he has a daughter and he was like, yeah, put on Casper baby pants for your, your kid when they're, you know, they want to hear some fun songs and chill out. The presence kind of had that sort of upbeat poppy sound. So yep. it makes sense to make kids songs. But yeah, so look up Casper baby pants. I love Casper baby. Mommy, put on Casper baby pants. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's, it's lump, it's lump, it's lump. It's in my pants. There you go. You got a lump in your pants? You yeah. got to get your mom to diaper. change it. You got to get mom to change it. That's what, that's, what this, that's what the show's about. It was great. It was great. All right. Anyway, let's listen to the number 11 song, Lump by the Presidents of the United States. Oh, we didn't hear it yet? Of America. <laughs> we have not. Except for hard mud Okay, that was a lump. We should have done a, a, a drinking game to that every time they said lump. <laughs> you have to do a shot. <laughs> and look, the bottle is gone. 
<laughs> no, anyway, uh, that was number 11. Trump. Trump. He was saying <laughs> number 11 Don't Trump. lump by the president of the United States of America. If his was number 12 and Ben's oh. was number 11, my number three would be, of course, number 10. What? Wow. <laughs> Math. <laughs> Already. And, and mine was just a little more popular than your two. And even the lump, I thought, which I was surprised. But it's a song by Coolio. Oh, um, yeah. Gangsta's Paradise. Stevie Wonder Hook in this is so kind of amazing. Mm. Yep. I love the producing of this with the choir and the beat and everything. I remember watching this and seeing Michelle Pfeiffer over the chair mm. looking at Coolio with... Uh, <laughs> What was the name of the, the movie they were in? What was it? Uh, Dangerous Minds. Dangerous Minds, yep. So if, have you heard the original Stevie Wonder By song? By Stevie Wonder, mm -hmm. yeah. Mm -hmm. I went back and listened to it. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Well, I'm going to let everybody listen to it for just a quick second, just to see how much it's pretty much the same as what Coolio did. But, he, but Stevie better. Wonder wasn't rapping. Yeah, here we But yeah, this won a Grammy in 1995 mm -hmm. for Best Rap Solo yep. Performance. Went number one in both the U.S. and the U.K. Larry Sanders, not the Gary Shandling character, right? <laughs> the stage name is Large Variety. Uh, he sent the demo to Coolio for this mm -hmm. song. And he's the one who's actually singing, we're spending most of our lives living in a gangster's paradise. And his vocals are great. And his contribution to the song is wildly overlooked, I think. Because he brought it to him. He kind of structured it for yeah. coolio coolio did the awesome rapping on it yeah but the hook but the hook is, and mm -hmm. the sampling and everything and his singing is mm -hmm. is really good so so let's give a hand to large variety nobody gives so much of a hand anymore but he deserves it that's really good <laughs> I, I appreciated fantastic voyage era of coolio a little bit more than this but <laughs> that's just me yeah for this the only thing i wanted to add which i thought was interesting is the approval from stevie wonder actually took a while because Stevie heard it and said, look, you can't have any swearing. So Coolio had to go back and rewrite it before he could get the, oh, the really? blessing to actually use it. He probably had to rewrite quite a bit, I'm sure. Well, it'd be interesting have... to hear what the original was like. Yeah. Don't have a potty mouth. Yeah. So let's listen to Gangsta's Paradise by Coolio off of Gangsta's Paradise, our number 10 song. I really hate the trip, but I got a low. As they croak, I see myself in the pistol smoke. Fool, I'm the kind of cheater little homies want to be like on my knees in the night, saying prayers in the street light. That was number 10, Gangsta's Paradise by Coolio. Now, we're going to go to number nine. This is exciting for me that this made the list, and this is a first for the podcast. <laughs> This next song, we have a Christian song. It was on every genre, really. Modern rock, alternative, and it has that grunge almost sound. It's by a band called DC Talk, and the name of the song is Jesus Freak. And that's our number nine song. It was Ben's number six, and it was my number 12. Why don't you start us off, Ben? Yeah, this is another song I heard everywhere back then. It just all over the place. I really like the rap rock style that they have going on. Definitely like the message behind it. I mean, that's fine. Label me as a Jesus freak. That was great. Like the intro with the guitar, few muted guitar strums in there. The drums kick in, the verse where the guitar is playing a few riffs, and then the rap kicks in, and then the guitar picks up, and it drops down to just bass and keys and the bridge and builds back up again. Just 
I think it's a fun song just to listen to. For me, I mentioned once or twice before on the podcast that I had taken a hiatus from regular music. And this was one of the songs that helped me through that because it was still that heaviness that I loved, but it was Christian based. And I, I felt like I could listen to it during that period when I converted. The dynamic shift in the verse and the bridge that really pull it together. And it's just amazing. It's got so much airplay on like regular right. rock yep. and uh, alternative stations. It really can be an anthem for people to stand up for what you believe in if you're persecuted for it. It doesn't have to be for Christians. He kind of turned the slur around into something to be proud of and and kind of wore it like a badge, you know? Chicago Tribune reviewed this and it said, in considering the group's artistic merits, it's time to bury the overburdened label of Christian band. DC Talk deserves to be judged by a different standard. DC Talk stands for Decent Christian Talk. That's what DC stands for. I thought it was like Washington. Oh, that part I never knew. I never knew what DC actually stood for. (laughs) Me either. The guy who directed the video for this is the same guy who did the music video for Hurt for Nine Inch Nails. It's really edgy. Oh, that's There's doves intermingled with like persecutors, book burnings, communists, fascists, riots, and of course the three of them singing. And it got so popular it was on MTV yeah. all over the place. Yeah, That's what's so surprising is this song got lots of mainstream rock play and the video was everywhere. It, it wasn't the DC talk that I was familiar with prior to the song because it, like I said, had that more kind of harder edge sounding. But just the fact that it was all over the place really just was like kind of surprising to see a, a Christian band kind of break through that way. This is our number nine song, Jesus Freak by DC Talk. And Ben, thank you for pushing us so high. I still like this song. Yeah. Okay. That was number nine, Jesus Freak by DC Talk. And now let's move to our number eight, which is not a Christian band. <laughs> As is, I believe it or not, none of the bands remaining are Christian bands at all. This was somebody's number two. Oh. It was on an album called Short Bus by a band called Filter. And it was Jake's number two. Hey, man, nice shot. And it has an interesting story behind it. Yes, it does. And I think Jake. Might as well tell it because this is his. Go for it, Jake. Yeah, this is one. Maybe it's a timestamp for me. It was really important. I felt like Sir Patrick just came out of Nine Inch Nails. And you can kind of hear some of those elements in this band of what he He wasn't actually over. in Nine Inch Nails. Well, he, he's a touring He never, was like a touring yeah. guitarist. And he got so crapped on by Trent Reznor and got paid really minimum. There's a documentary, Hired Gun, check it out. On Netflix, they talk about it. In fact, Trent Reznor told him, if you don't like it, do it your damn self. And that's what he does now. He hires people and, and he craps on them now. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but it's got to be weird. I mean, like Trent Ratzler is making millions and you're here and he's like giving you $200 a month to go on tour with him. It's crazy. But look, that probably gave him his foot in the door to go make something of himself. <laughs> and, and he did. When he wrote this, he was still working for Nine Inch Nails. So he was like, I have yeah. this song. I can give it to Nine Inch Nails or I can make it myself. Yeah, do your own thing. I don't really like Filter as a whole like all their music but like i said this song to me alone just stood out and i, I recorded off the radio onto a cassette tape too and had it on my walkman it, it was super good and it was just around that time i think it's that the baseline that really just initially sets the tone and oh it's so good oh, it's, yeah. like, it's the main hook it's yeah. the baseline it takes, yep. it, it takes its time to develop that simple drum part in there and then um 
just that really explosive chorus. But the verse really sounds like Nine Inch Nails a little bit. Yeah, and that's what I mean. You can kind of hear some of that carryover because obviously he got the gig for a reason. There was some sort of cohesiveness in the band that they that made sense that he would be in Nine Inch Nails, even if he wasn't writing. But you know, you know what the story behind the, the song story, is, right? the, yeah, as I say the story the, is pretty cool. Yeah, and the it. guy with the, the press conference, right? It was yep. guy who, uh, who R. Bud Dwyer. Yeah, he was sentenced. I don't know all the details. I just know he was okay. had a long sentence and shot himself uh, <laughs> back in 1987. He was the Pennsylvania state treasurer, convicted of racketeering, bribery, fraud, mm-hmm. and conspiracy. While he was awaiting sentencing, he called the press conference, and he started talking, and then he pulled out a gun and blew his head off in yeah. the middle of a televised press what conference. What a way to go! So and that's where yeah, that's just crazy. Yeah. Hey man, nice shot, nice mm-hmm. shot, man. Obviously, it's here. They got a lot of flack for the song mm-hmm. because people are like, you know, are you when well, glorifying even, suicide? They thought it was about Kurt Cobain. There was all these different like theories oh, sure, on yeah. what it was, but, but that had happened recently too. Yeah. Yeah, good song. Just uh, mm-hmm. as you said, the bass in there is great. Just on how they put together uh, the bass and the guitar, just how they composed the whole song. Thought they did a great job with it. I love the the computer noises in the pre as it builds up mildly before hitting you over the head with the guitars and that well screamed vocal. It's just really oh. well screamed. Mm-hmm. Let's listen to "Hey Man, Nice Shot" off a of short bus, our number eight. That was number eight. Hey, man. Nice number shot. Number eight. All right. Let's go to something that more than one person picked. Hey, here we go. Number totally. seven. Probably wasn't me. It is you. <laughs> My number 11 and your number five by a band called Space Hog. Heck yeah. In the meantime, <laughs> off of the Resident Alien album. So, Jake, why don't you lead us off? You know, I couldn't necessarily name another one of Space Hog's tunes, but this one is all they needed, I think, to be a part of music history. It's... I think it still stands up today and probably still gets plenty of radio play. I think I still hear it every once in a while. It's very Bowie-esque vocally. Okay, I can see that. I can see that. But there's a lot going on in this song, and it's it's quite a big kind of epic composition, especially with the piano outro at the end. And the bass line is yeah, ridiculous. I was going to say, I always oh, just yeah. loved how present the bass guitar is in yep. that mix. And it's just chock full of hooks. We talk about one-hit wonders, and this is all they, they needed to do, I think. And it was just a really great song. And the whole sampling of that telephone and the rubber band song, which, mm. in the end mm. of the day, that whole idea of adding that in there, and that's consistent through the song. It almost comes so low in the mix that you don't really hear it anymore, but yeah. it's there. And it's so good. Royston Langdon, who's the singer, said, this is a paraphrase, by the way. The lyrics are reaching to the audience to accept themselves and fight self-isolation. And it's also talking to me, myself, getting through my anxieties and my fear of death. This is what the song's about. And Royston actually married Liv Tyler. What? Oh, so, oh, really? With Steven Tyler's daughter. Mm-hmm. Yep. And that's when the band kind of split up in 2002. <laughs> like, right after that. That's when so he married her. Girl. <laughs> and then they divorced in 2008. Believe it or not, it didn't last. And then, the, and then they the came band, back? And yeah. then they got back together. <laughs> <laughs> Calls them up. <laughs> And they made a new album in 2013, but broke up after the supporting tour because it didn't have a lot of legs. Yeah, well, I don't know. Like I said, I couldn't tell you another one of their songs and how good they are. I think I kind of 
sample the smattering of other ones but nothing really stands out to me is yeah this one went number one in mainstream rock chart which i thought yeah. was interesting they hit gold with this oh, one. that's a great yeah, tune it was, it's good just to add to it you guys already talked about the bass which i think is great the sound of the guitar that little fuzz sound the distortion i thought was good and then it finishes with just the piano playing yeah, i love that part yeah. kind of a faith no more epic like oh yeah yeah that, i sure. can see that but really, I didn't think of that, but it could be, yeah. It's just, I think the vocals, when they do that kind of high falsetto thing, I think it's just really catchy on the ears. Yeah, they're yeah. completely broken up now, by the way, just to make that clear. That's good. Is he back with uh, Liv Tyler called yeah, him Liv back? Tyler. <laughs> I'm sorry. Uh, well, if I was in a band, then Liv Tyler called Yeah. <laughs> I would be no Liv Tyler. I'm married happily. But Langdon now fronts a band called Leeds. And they had their first album in 2018, which is Leeds oh, where he's from go. in England. Anyway, let's listen to number seven, In the Meantime, by Space Hog. Off of the Resident Alien album, our number seven. Forever after, in the meantime, wait and see. Okay, that was in the meantime by Space Hog. That's right, bitches. <laughs> Space bitches. Bitches. <laughs> bitches. <laughs> I remember, I, 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 for some reason, I had that. Uh, you ever uh, hear the Lonely Island? And I think I, oh, I yeah. mentioned it once, once or twice. They had the. Andy the, Samberg, right? Yeah, uh, Andy Samberg has this, this thing, and they have one of these songs that's about a champagne that's created by Carlos Santana. And Carlos Santana comes out in the song. It's not really Carlos. Gentlemen, gentlemen, what is all the hubbub about? Carlos Santana? That's red. I see you bitches is enjoying my sparkling wine. We certainly are. Because <laughs> that's how we talk. Yeah, whatever. In, in Andy Samberg's mind, at least. Yeah. Um, anyway, so that was number seven in the meantime, Space Hog. Now, this one we kind of all have on our list. Oh, but not really. <laughs> what? Here's the, here's the deal. This is on Jake and my list. This is my number five, and this is Jake's number 12. All right. But oh, okay. Ben has a song by this artist, diff- but on the same album, but not the song. Mm-hmm. And this is by uh, Alanis Morissette off the Jagged Little Pill album. Mm-hmm. And our number six song is You Ought to Know. It was what number on yours? It was my number five. Okay, and my 12. All right. Remembering this year in 95, you could not ignore totally. this album. This Agreed. is one of the, oh, yeah. the hit machines. But with this song, the drums and vocals are so intense, and then it builds, and you feel her getting angrier and angrier. Mm. It's a master course in emotional singing and dynamics in a song. I think this is just an exemplar for that. She's so angry and lets the rage out in the chorus with her vocal breakup. It's just, wow, that's just phenomenal. Very emotive. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And also, there's a full house of people coming to, to play on this track. Flea played on this track. Yeah. Dave Navarro. Navarro. Dave Navarro played on this track. And Ben Mont. Yeah. And Ben Montench, yeah. the uh, the keyboardist. You can hear Flea but, for sure yeah. with the bass right away, the whole beginning of the. And it's piece. interesting. You know, what the, you know what the song's about, right? I think Dave Coulier. Dave Coulier. When you said Full House, I thought that's what oh, you were trying oh, to yeah. make. <laughs> that's what I was kind of alluding okay. to. Uncle Joey from Full House. Mm-hmm. <laughs> oh, come on. Cut it out. Dave Coulier said when he heard the song, he said, oh, wow, this girl's angry. Said, oh, man. I think it's Alanis. Oh, I really must have hurt this person. 
Yeah. And he reached out to her and he goes, they're good now. Oh, he did? Uh, yeah. Alana said, whenever I hear this song, I hear the anger as a protection yeah. mm-hmm. around searing vulnerability. I was mortified and devastated. It's a lot easy for me to be angry and feel the power of that anger versus the broken, horrified woman that I wasn't mm. before. Alanis Morissette would never sing a sanitized version of the song, an edited version of the song. She just said, when she performed it on TV, she said, here's where the curses are. If you want to yeah. bleep that out, that's Bleep-o. on you. Mm. It's coming. That's where it's going to be. I'm going to sing it. So Job's on you. It's on you. Yeah. One of the interesting things about this, and I'll stop talking. I'll let you guys talk. That some armed men threatened Alanis Morissette while she was working on this album. At gunpoint, I was Atlantis. I was being held at gunpoint, and they wanted all my things, and I knew that I was going to give them anything, first of all. But second of all, I had my backpack with all the jagged little pill record contents on it. I gave them my wallet. I gave them my purse. They said to lie down. I laid down with my backpack, and I thought they were going to take that out on the way out, but they didn't. I was so fortunate. But yeah, it's crazy like how that album could have just disappeared. Yeah. So, okay, I'll let you guys go. Like you said, it's genuine and you can hear it, the relationship angst in the voice. And I think that's what really just makes it timeless and so genuine that people appreciate it because you can tell it's not faking it or phoning it in. Which I'm not like a fan of her, but the song was everywhere. A stalker of her, maybe. And, uh, <laughs> yeah. But it was just, it, it was everywhere. And it seemed like everyone had the CD, especially in school. All the girls had the CD. It's like their anthem. They just really could relate to that angst. Yeah, I mean, it's kind of feeling like they've been wronged and and all that emotion comes out in this one song. So yeah, totally with you. You're 100% right. Ben, anything? Yeah, I, I wasn't a huge fan of the song. You know, you, you talk about the, the bass and everything. I thought the bass actually in here was almost non-existent and it just kind of isn't there you hear the drum loops and that type of stuff but it just wasn't a, a deep uh, song for me uh, i think with lee's playing he's not going to lock into that space where most kind of bass players do and just fill that low end because right away at the beginning he's doing some texture stuff like he wants to play a little bit of lead it just didn't quite click with me because mm-hmm. maybe, maybe so no it does it, it stands out and um maybe not always in the best way because he, he kind of showboats yeah let's listen to number six you ought to know by atlantis marcet There was number six, You Oughta Know, by Alanis Morissette, off of the Jagged Little Pill album. Great tune. Now let's move to number five, which, Ben, you can appreciate. You can appreciate number five. I finally have something on the list. (laughs) You have something on the list, and it's your number one song. By Collective Soul, it's December. It's our number five overall. So why don't you lead us off on that one? Yeah, Collective Soul, I like them with their first album that came out, the hints and allegations and things left unsaid i liked them since they came out mm-hmm. but with this song uh was a song that the band didn't want to actually do at first and it was the lead singer ed roland who was having a hard time with all this because there was a lot of stuff that was going on with the band and where they were and their success and you who was the in quote? the band and you want the quote from ed he's cute oh i don't know if i actually wrote out the quote okay here it is uh let me just uh what would it sound like <laughs> Yeah, okay. And it's be like this. It's Ed. I'm Ed. All right. This Isn't is he Nor- from Georgia? Oh, yes. Okay. 
okay. <laughs> it's the only song the band did not like. <laughs> when I presented it to them, they hated it. And to be honest with you, I talked to them and we recorded it. And they just didn't want the title in there somewhere. And I, I, so I came up with the bridge and just put December in there. It was basically a relationship song, but they hated it. There you go. There we go. Now we got the quote. End yeah, quote. I was going to go a completely different direction, but you guys made me go Southern. <laughs> but yeah, I like how it starts out with the guitar. You got it the left side and then you got the other guitar coming in on the right side. And then it just kind of builds up into the verse. The verse goes and then you go back to picking and the bongos playing. You got different layers in there, as I mentioned, with the guitar and the bongos. You got strings and synths towards the end. I've always liked Collective Soul. Never really followed them much out of the 90s, but every time they would come on, uh, even now, if they would come on, be like, oh, yeah, just listen to them. And I, I think they were a great band. Yeah, this was inspired by the band tensions in a court case against their manager, Bill Richardson. December was just the name to say it's the end of the unpleasantness that they had to deal with, as in December is the end of a year. So it was the end of a season of unpleasantness. Mm. The tensions arose after the album was released, and there was a legal tangle with Richardson, who froze their earnings, and it took over a year to resolve. Oh, wow. So it was this big thing happening, and... Then you add on all the stresses about a band that was just coming together, taking this huge meteoric rise into superstardom, because when they put the band together in the first place, Ed kind of wrote the song, and they had a couple of musicians play with him, and next thing you know, they were signed, and they're going. Mm. And the band hardly even knows each other. They haven't been through the wars of touring and all this other stuff. So needless to say, there was a lot of tension that arose when you bring all these people up rapidly when you don't have a relationship yeah right and then that manager was taking advantage of things and it was kind of crazy huh. okay. but i thought it was interesting that they weren't quite the band this is their second album mm -hmm. and their first album they had some big hits off of that so i thought that was really interesting well this was the first time they were actually in the studio together and working on an album the first album was pretty much all ads so they didn't deal with all of the stress of making an album etc yeah, I, I kind of lost interest when the second album came out. But I think he's been quoted even saying that like that the second album was really their first, like where they feel like that was really like mm -hmm. the whole... And maybe that's to your point, Robbie, about um, the first one was just kind of slapped together because he had an idea and just brought on some guys. Yeah, I, I didn't care much for the sound change of the band around this time. But but it's a good song. I like the song. No, it's a, it's a great song. I really like the song. So uh, so I it, it wasn't one. on my radar at all. This is number one? Yeah. Oh, wow. This is my number one. Oh. Yeah. Yeah, it wasn't on my, my list at all, but it Me wasn't either. even on my radar at all. But that's okay. And I'm glad <laughs> it, you, but I'm glad you love it. And that's good. When, that's why you're bringing something extra to the podcast. See, there we go. Trust me, there was some woman out there who really wanted to hear. <laughs> uh, yeah, song. yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> no, it was. <laughs> thank you for nice. with that. That's it. I am out here. <laughs> Man. So let's listen to December by Collective Soul off of the Collective Soul album, our number five. Okay, that was number five, December by Collective Soul. And now let's move to number four, a much more important song. <laughs> Wait. Well, actually, this is on two lists, 
but this is my number one, which is why it's more important. Oh, and, nice. and it's uh, not on Jake's list at all, which oh. means it's on Ben's. Oh. And it's number 12, and I ha- couldn't ignore the song. It's not uh, necessarily yes. my favorite song from the year. Oh, it's number but four. But it's my number one song, and it's number four overall by a band called Oasis uh, off of What's the Story Morning Glory. Makes sense. Wonderwall. And this song has about one and a quarter billion downloads or listens on Spotify since Spotify started in 2008. And the song's uh, obviously from 95. It's just a testament. And most there are not a lot of songs that have over a billion listens. Mm-hmm. Simple chord progression, but it's instantly recognizable due to this, the way they strum it, mm-hmm. which is actually kind of cool. The vocal performance is great. And... The soundscape that they build as the song moves on with more and more instruments hitting different spaces, it really just lifts this song to another level. The chorus is singable immediately after the first listen. And there's no cello in the song, even though in the video that looks like a cello. That's right. It's actually a mellotron. Yep. Uh. There's three things that this song could be about. Here we go. Number one, Noel Gallagher's then-girlfriend, Meg Matthews, who was compared to posters on his wall when he was young. And this wall of beautiful women was called his Wonder Wall, allegedly. He would later marry and divorce her. But the second thing, it's about an imaginary friends, which seems like he just retconned everything after they got divorced. <laughs> uh, and he said it was about imaginary friend. There's another quote by him. Number three, a wall the brothers used to write on as kids, which I kind of like. There they would have all the ideas they would come up with. It's like their dreams and hopes as huh. to be musicians as they grew up. I didn't know that. But of course, that's not as sellable as comparing his wife to his posters, etc., or imaginary people. So uh, that said, the original title of the song was Wishing Stone, actually. Mm-hmm. It, was, it was inspired by Wonderwall music by George Harrison for a movie of the same name. Mm-hmm. So there you go. Yeah. Okay, Ben. Yeah, just to add a little bit to that. So this is their first single here in the U.S., which is actually their biggest hit here in the U.S. as well. <laughs> was it their first single, really? Uh, yeah, that's what yeah, I, okay. well, at least that's what I read. Yeah. yeah, I figured Supersonic maybe hit, but no. Yeah, this was the first single. Right. Noel was asked, which song would you like to be remembered by? And he named off a few of them, but this was one of them that he would actually like to be Noel. remembered. His name or is Noel. Noel. Sorry, thank you. Noel uh, is kind of like... Yeah. That's, exactly, that's a girl uh, version. There we go. Let me, let me uh, say it again. <laughs> and do it British. Noel. Noel. <laughs> yeah, do it British. Let's do it British. Come on, come on. You can do it. And nope. then and then do it from Georgia. Yeah. <laughs> and then do it and in then just do it voice. Noel, so sorry. <laughs> Let me say it again. So Noel was asked, what song would you like to be remembered by? And this is one of the uh, the three that he actually said for that. I like the start of the acoustic and singing and the band comes in. One of the things I do like in here as well is about a minute 50 in where it goes quiet, it goes silent. But it's just kind of has a little bit of that ring to it. And then it just kind of cuts off instead of just completely cut off there. So I like that little uh, ring sound that it has to it. It's interesting. This is the second best-selling album in British history. Oh, wow. The number one being Sgt. Pepper's Lonely Heart Club Band. I was going to say. Band, yeah. Oh, yeah. I read that. That's and, right. I thought that and was... isn't their claim to be bigger than the Beatles? Well, there yeah. you go. They well, aren't. Besides that one album, yeah. yeah. They're better than every other album by the Beatles, though. And, and Jake thinks, like, well, so was Down, yeah, every Down album. Yeah. <laughs> Depends what you're measuring it against. I don't like the band as a whole, but sure, sure. the song itself, right. it's, it's timeless and really is a standout track and definitely um, landmark for 1995. Kind of like you guys said, the texture, I think the 
the drums, like the the hot rods, the the light drums, kind of what he's doing there in the Mellotron. It really just brings some cool vibes and textures to the song. It's actually interesting. Yeah. There was a bit of a controversy with Jay Z. You know about that? No. <laughs> yeah. Well, Jay Z was invited to play Glastonbury, and uh, which is a big festival in the UK. UK. Yeah. And it was also where Oasis kind of got that break, and they played that year after year after year. Now, Noel Gallagher made public remarks saying, Glastonbury is about rock and roll, and why the heck is Jay-Z performing at a rock show? By the way, that was totally paraphrasing. (laughs) So Jay-Z opened his set at Glastonbury with his crap version of Wonderwall on purpose. Like like he kind of made fun of Wonderwall and playing it. That's funny. I hate Jay-Z, but... uh... (laughs) Good for him. Yeah, but it's it's kind of funny just yeah. the, the fact that there was this battle between Jay Z and Noel Gallagher. Oh, I love that kind of uh, yeah band battle. <laughs> anyway, let's listen to the number four song overall, Wonderwall by Oasis. That's number four, Wonderwall by Oasis. Good tune. Mm-hmm. Whether or not you like the band. Agreed. Good tune. Now, let's move on to number three. Let's do something that Ben doesn't have on his list either. Man! <laughs> well, you got Wonderwall on your list. I'm not coming to these anymore. <laughs> this is not on Ben's list, but it's on my list. And Ben actually had this as a song of note at one point, but it's also Jake's number one song. Oh, <laughs> uh, <laughs> and uh, it's on uh, the Astro Creep 2000 album oh, yes. by White Zombie, more human than human. So we thought about the song. He just didn't think it was even worth putting on the call. Oh. <laughs> I had song of note. Yeah, that's that's, that's something. close. That's that something. counts no, a little no, bit. Yeah. yeah. All right. Like we ahead. said, it, it kind of it points to at that time a point in life when you're what what is kind of uh, standout tracks and what songs are special. And this song for me in high school, that was it. Really, I think the catchy part is Jay's slide guitar riff. That's really the hook that sells the whole jam. But it just mm-hmm. has that. It's like the yeah. infectious, heavy, industrial metal groove. Nice. Um, gets repetitive, but still makes you shake your butt and bang your head. Especially in the beginning. <laughs> yeah, the sex part. It yeah, still holds right? up today. <laughs> um, and for me, like I said, just such a standout tune for this year. And it was a timestamp for me. And the video was pretty great, too. I think this is the first one that Rob Zombie directed. It is, yeah. Yeah. You had to watch every time, which was a whole lot because it was it was on uh, MTV. It's sort of the band time, playing so. with Rob's home movies. Yeah. With his, his brother, I think, is in some of the clips. Yeah, some home movies meshed with some of the other, like, scenes from uh, Hollywood. The slide guitar and distortion for me instantly just pulled me in. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And obviously the porn clips in the intro make you cognizant where you're playing this and how loud you're playing this, especially when you have kids around. And, you know, or oh, yeah. or, or you have your wife in the other room and you start playing this yeah, loud. That and sample, like, what, what, yeah, that sample. Yeah, what, what are you watching? <laughs> totally, I know. That's why sometimes a radio edit of this song is a little bit better if you just want to skip that part. <laughs> but it's also based on the replicants from Blade Runner. Yeah. Yep. 
And it's the more human than human yeah. is the motto of the Tyrell Corporation in Blade Runner. If you want white to go zombie, that far. Uh, my I never got into them too much, but my younger brother played them, so I always heard the song quite a bit. A couple things. So when we first moved out to California, my wife started working at Universal Studios, and she was a ride operator for Back to the Future. Okay. And she was working one of the lines. I don't remember if it was called the VIP line or or what, but anyway, she was back there and. And she kind of looked up and she was just kind of surprised. And she actually saw Rob Zombie. Oh, nice. And she's like, you are. And, she, and he was like, uh-huh. And he was like, don't say anything. She's like, okay. Mm-hmm. And then uh, as he walked by, he was like, you're cool. And then later that day, he's like, Rob Zombie said I was cool. <laughs> <laughs> so that's definitely one of the reasons why I had to pick one of his songs. Nice. But uh, also the other thing, not a huge fan of everything that Rob Zombie's done, but just what he actually has done from being White Zombie to Rob Zombie to the movies that he's done inside of Hollywood, whether you like him or not, just what he's done. Like a culture icon, you know, if you think right. about it. It's like everyone, even if people don't know you know, House of a Thousand Corpse yeah. and all that type of stuff. To even to old grandmas and grandpas know who Rob Zombie is. Yeah, Jake, right. Jake, Jake went on Halloween as Rob Zombie. He just took his no. He, he pulled his hair from behind his head. He just let it drain down. If I had a nickel every time someone's like, has anyone ever told you, you look like Rob Zombie? And I say, who? Anyway, let's listen to our number three song overall: "More Human Than Human" by White Zombie. I'm gonna blast this, and so my kids are gonna be confused of what's Good. going on down here. Here we go. The broken Oh, I can just listen to that forever. By the way, yeah, it's a great tune. Uh, Jake is good friends with John Tepesta, who's <laughs> <laughs> the drummer for them. He was talking about it behind hey. me. I'm like, why are you telling me this now? You need to talk about something. So tell me just briefly what you're just... Man, okay. The venue was called Crazy... It's probably still there. Crazy Girls in Hollywood. Hey, coming onto our stage right now. Give it up for chastity. I was talking to this guy, it ended up being his drum tech, and then John Tepesta came out, and we were talking for a little while. He was super drunk, super drunk. And uh, after talking for a little while, he just looked to his friend, and he's like, he reminds me of Jay from White Zombie, the guitar mm-hmm. player. And he said that about me. The, That's it. And then when you yeah. woke up in the morning, you feel violated. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> what have I done? I'm just glad to be compared to someone else in White Zombie. No, than, I know, than I know, the Rob. Yeah. <laughs> He's like, gosh darn it, I look like him. That's it, I'm growing my hair long and putting dreads on it. Well, this is pre-dread, so maybe that's why. Rob is the one I want to be compared yeah, to. <laughs> not, not the guitar player. Like, no, not the guitar. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Anyway, from a song Jake loves at number three to a song he doesn't at number two. This is not on Jake's list at all. Oh, boy. Good. Uh, this is Ben's number seven and oh. my number two. Jake's number nothing, and it's probably negative nothing and negative a billion because he does not like this band, but... It's our number two by a band called Green Day, and the name of the song is Brain Stew, and you wow. couldn't avoid this. This got number two? It's number two overall. Wow. This song is kind of big open chords, obviously a simple tune. It's nothing you yep. know, world-changing yeah. as far as musicianship, but I've always liked this song an album, and you couldn't really avoid it at that time, although the structure of the song was pretty straightforward. The adding of the muted strums and the turnaround kind of broke that progression up. And when you added the jaded song 
to this, it kind of made the song much oh, better yeah. because they actually released Brain Stew and Jaded as one song mm-hmm. to the radio stations. Mm-hmm. And that's why it's always heard together. Ben? So I really like Billy Armstrong's vocals through Green Day. I always actually like that band. This song does have simple guitar throughout it, but I think it really fits. And that's that's why I picked it. Okay. Oh, the song is about Billy Joel Armstrong's battle with insomnia, which hit him at a time where he had a newborn baby who kept him up all night. Plus, he was, this may not be related, he was also on crystal meth. <laughs> that may be part uh, of it. And, maybe uh, I'll uh, try that. Yeah, and it was named after Billy Joe's friend, James Washburn, who was called Brain Stew. That was his nickname for whatever reason. Okay, Jake, ripping. Uh, I've never been a big fan of Green Day. Even on my uh, folders in school, I put I hate Green Day. But if I think of a landmark kind of timestamp album, I would say it's Dookie from uh, 94, I think. Yeah, it was sure. Yes, I would but, agree. But sure, this this is a catchy tune, but the reason why is because it's the same chord progression as Chicago's 25 or 6 to 4 and Led Zeppelin's Babe, I'm Gonna Leave You. It's the same song. They just redid it. And But to their credit, Papa Roach, I think, also did this song, Last Resort, and they did the same thing. Well, there's a billion songs with this chord progression. It's right. not. It's nothing but the way that they add the little muted strum. Sure. No, yeah. And, yeah. and I don't want to take away too much, but I do want to call that out. Guitars, of like, the too. song's been written before. They're just... Well, doing the song is not... The melody is not the same, but the but the chord structure... But chord structures for any song that you've ever listened to yeah. are... There's nothing new. But I bet you there's probably a mashup out there of Chicago's 25 or 64. Okay, I stand corrected. <laughs> but I think it's just, it, it's an obvious one, but it's that thing when it's so obvious that you hear it, you're like, come on, at least. It's one of these entry level, like a lot of bands when they first start. Mm-hmm. When they don't have all of the chops that they need to have, yeah. When they went out and played, this was on their set yeah. because it was something it's that you just could do. easy but catchy, and and that's rewarding but, when you're starting out to like be able to play a song and it sounds, yeah. you know, good. This uh, I can definitely tell why you uh, wrote "I Hate Green Day" on your <laughs> folders. There. I also wrote "I Hate Offspring" <laughs> next to that. Yeah, I, I've heard that in other podcasts <laughs> as well. Oh, okay, and he's Con- wrong there too. Con- but, wrong there too. But and this it, is definitely a song of 1995. Oh yeah, you know, the, I think mm-hmm. putting that number two, I think, is a good place for it because you you think of 1995 and this this was a huge song. This was yeah. everywhere to hear it, this. It is. It's catchy, and you still hear it on the radio. Yeah. Right. yeah. All right. Let's listen I, to uh, "Brain Stew" by Green Day, off of Insomniac. I can't sleep. I need to listen to Green Day. <laughs> All right. Let's listen to our number two song, "Brain Stew." Crooked spine. Oh, I'm out for the- My That's the point of delirium. Okay, that was Brain Stew, our number two song overall. And now, surprisingly, unbelievably, crazily, we're at number one. And the worst thing about this is it's not one of my songs. <laughs> uh, right. I, don't, I don't have the song at number one. I don't have the song on my list at all. Really? 
But the great thing is that I actually get to play a joke by one of my favorite comedians of all time because it links perfectly with our number one, the late, great Norm MacDonald. And in music news, number one on the college charts this summer was Better Than Ezra. And at number two, Ezra. Ah, <laughs> my little Norm MacDonald uh, moment. <laughs> oh, perfect. The name of the song is Good. It's the number one song overall. Wow. Which, of course, is by Better Than Ezra. So you actually had this on your list, Jake. I did. It's my right. number six. My number two. It, it's one of those songs, whenever it comes up, it's just like, yeah, that that's surprisingly good band that I didn't really listen to on purpose, but they had songs all over the place, a chunk of good tunes. And when I think of 90s kind of radio era, this song was, this one's up there. Yeah, this one I listen to all the time. Kevin Griffin, the lead singer, wrote this song as a breakup song, but as finding the good in that situation. They were influenced by Pixies as well, who has also <laughs> influenced Nirvana. So that's why sometimes yeah. they had comparison to Nirvana through there. I really like the the bass as the main instrument. Well, it's the bass Sorry. and the drums. And all well, the bass and the drums, for, right. For Jake, who just wants to yeah, thank give you. some props. Yeah. Have the drums for him. The rhythm <laughs> section is great, yeah. <laughs> Later yeah. part where the guitar comes in, like the riffs that's going on there. During the verse, you have a little bit of the synth that's kind of buried in there, but you do hear a little bit of the synth going on there. And uh, this is another song you just kind of heard everywhere. This is, and still I, do. I can see why this uh, became number one. Yeah, it pops up still to this day, and I think that says something. Yeah, it's it's a good, good song. And Griffin, actually, after Better Than Ezra broke up, Griffin ended up writing for other acts, including James Blunt. He wrote I'll Be really? Your Man. And uh, Sugarland, Stuck Like Glue, and uh, Howie Day. He's like a big songwriter now. That's what he does. Good for him. Veteran Ezra was never one of those bands that filled arenas by their own. They kind of had a solid fan base, though, and mm-hmm. they're, they're good. All right, let's listen to the number one song overall, Good, by Better Than Ezra. It's actually great, but they just wanted to say good because they're <laughs> humble people. All right, let's listen to number... Because they're already showboating about being better than Ezra. <laughs> yeah, yeah, let's listen to number one, Good. The best song of 1 good by better than Ezra and we're done hooray but now this is where the part of if you're listening to this podcast say, listen I didn't hear the song that I loved I didn't hear it so now we're going to talk about what missed the cut what we're going to do is we're going to play a little bit of each of the songs that were on our list that didn't make it and then each of us is going to talk about it talk about one song for about a minute so you can talk about it after it and then we'll move on to the next person and we'll go through it. So uh, let's start with, uh, I don't know. Um, you. I'll start with me. Okay, hold on. <laughs> I had five songs that missed the cut. Ruby Soho by Rancid was my number four. My number six was Bullet with Butterfly Wings by the Smashing Pumpkins. Like 
number seven was Don't Speak by No Doubt. My number eight was Breakfast at Tiffany's by Deep Blue Something. And my number nine was Heaven Beside You by Allison Chains. Like what I see. So let me talk yes. about one here, I guess, for me. So let, let me just talk about Don't Speak by No Doubt, uh, which is our, our number seven overall. There's almost a samba feel in the chorus that kind of sets it apart, I think. It's such a good vocal performance by Gwen. I love that Spanish guitar solo that they do. Really yes. kind of yeah, separates yeah, yeah. it. Although he plays with a pick, and I know that the classical the classical Spanish players would hate it. It's interesting this was written by Eric Stefani. Yeah. Yep. And, and Eric Stefani left the band. Don't feel bad for him because he stopped being a musician. He's an animator, right? Or something. He's an animator. He works for The Simpsons. Yep. He, he started working for a, a new show called The Simpsons. <laughs> They've only been around for a couple years. Smart dude. So, yeah, he's doing pretty well. So. I mean, either way, he would have been uh, rich. But but this was about her bass player. Yeah, they so had a relationship, right? Yeah, the relationship, relationship and they, they had. broke up. Yep. It was originally going to be a love song. Yeah. And then they broke up after seven years. She still played music with him, which is weird. He dumped her. Yep. Which well, is also weird. And <laughs> <laughs> because I don't think he ever did any better. Just saying. This song in particular annoyed the hell out of me just because I think. Maybe her emotion came across too much as like that pouty voice that just annoyed me. It, there was something about this song that just listening to her sing just really got on my nerves and I didn't want to listen to her. I actually don't mind the emotion part. And this was, a, you know, a big song for him and actually got him nominated for a Grammy and everything. But what actually took it out for me was the actual the snare drum. I just didn't like it. Just yeah, a little a, bit dull and too much reverb, and I just didn't like the, how the snare drum hit. Yeah, he plays a piccolo snare usually, and it sounds like thin. Really, is that what it is? Because I was gonna ask you. I was like, I gotta ask Jake. What what's going on with the sound of the? I don't know the about this. For this. I, I don't know about this song in particular, but I know that he had that kind of thin piccolo snare, which was snappy and like it's just really thin and high pitched. Yeah, it's just something but, that um, it kind of drew me away. So hmm. I, I, that would be the reason why this one didn't make the list. But so let's listen to. What missed the cut for Ben? There you go. Ben, you had six songs that missed the cut. Number four was Simple Lessons by Candlebox. Your number five was Spider Webs by No Doubt. Your number eight was Live Forever by The Highwaymen. But I will always be around Just like the songs I leave behind me I'm gonna live forever now Your number nine was Time Bomb by Rancid. Knowing you're through Black coat, white shoes, black hat, Cadillac Your number 10 was Ironic by Alanis Morissette. It's a death row pardon, two minutes too late. And isn't it ironic 
number 11 is I'll Be There For You by the Rembrandts. Okay, Ben, what do you want to talk about? All right, I'm going to go I'll Be There For You by the Rembrandts. Mm. Be the one that I talk about. Uh, Friends is such a is big... Is this you or your wife talking? <laughs> no. She's got your running errands, you know, picking up wedding dresses. <laughs> Whoppa! <laughs> What's Whoppa? It's not whipped. Whipped is... <laughs> That's what I did. Whoppa! <laughs> This this one this one is me. Friends is such a big show. It is actually something that my wife and I watch all the time. Even to this day, we'll still watch it. My wife and I, we will go back and forth and we can talk only in movie quotes, TV quotes, that type of stuff. <laughs> and Friends comes up all the time. I quote Friends all the time. And hearing this song just makes me think of it, uh, obviously, because it was the theme song. That's why I put it on my list. Thought it was great. Have to talk about it here just because that show for the 10 years that they played was fantastic. I know this was their big hit. You know, they had the video with the, the Friends cast and everyone on there. The music is just very basic. But I do actually like the bass guitar throughout this song. I know there's not much to it, and anytime you hear it, you always think of the show, but... But that's why it's made tons and tons of money, I'm sure. Right? My wife has this album. Yeah. And when I was dating her, she was listening to it a lot. Who doesn't know this song? 1995. Yeah. Here you go. And he got friends starting, and... It's just... a timestamp. All right, let's listen to Jake's now. And Jake, you had six songs that missed the cut. You're number four, Lifeless Dead by Mad Season. You're number seven, Sweet Dreams by Marilyn Manson. You're number eight, Perry Mason by Ozzy Osbourne. Number nine, Seven Words by Deftones. Your number ten, Connection by Elastica. Your number 11, Army of Me by Bjork. I never got into Bjork. You never got into Bjork? You're the only one? Yeah. <laughs> that makes three of us. Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> All right, Jake. Nice. Let's, what do you want to talk about? Well, that's tough, man. Um, it's a tie between the, the Marilyn Manson album and uh, Mad Season. Mm. The Marilyn Manson album, I feel like that video was... I mean, I had my hair black and white. I was, I was big into uh, that. But I'm going to go with Mad Season because, again, this album was huge for me. 
seriously one of my top 10 again deserted island albums yeah yeah and it was a pretty special thing that happened in the way of supergroups with alice in chains and pearl jam and uh, screaming trees this album is perfect like standalone album from start to finish i think lane's vocals and lyrics are some of his best and honest because it was really in his uh struggle with addiction um and kind of that dark commentary on it all sure and mike mccready's slinky riff in this song it's really cool again the whole album is perfection but this song was is my favorite it has some really cool kind of panning in the mix too if you think if you listen to it and kind of uh does that left and right sort of swirly thing but yeah i had that as one of the notes actually i thought that was kind of yeah cool. it's neat anything that lane staley is on i'm always just gonna love this was just a special super group thing that happened and i i had this on on tape and i just remember being on like even a church youth group trip and we were camping out and like going to yosemite and i had this on my little walkman yeah and i'd sit there in my sleep in my sleeping bag and just listen to this album it was just too good it, it pains me i mean lane yeah. was so talented uh, oh yeah yep and you one know, of my the best singers if not my maybe my favorite singer i don't know i can see that he's definitely in top mm-hmm. rank it yeah, for sure okay, before we forget let's just go through what our dirty dozen was starting with number 12 stone the crow by down number 11 lump by the presidents of the united states of america number 10 gangsta's paradise by coolio number nine jesus freak by dc talk number eight hey man nice shot by filter Number seven, In the Meantime by Space Hog. Number six, You Oughta Know by Alanis Morissette. Number five is December by Collective Soul. Number four is Wonder Roll by Oasis. Number three is More Human Than Human by White Zombie. Number two, Brain Stew by Green Day. And the number one song is Good by Better Than Ezra. This has been a lot of fun. Thank you guys for hanging out. Next week, we're going to start doing the voting. So... Pay attention. You guys gave us a bunch of bands that you want to hear next year, and we're going to let you vote on it. We're going to do one for every category, and that starts next week, and then it's going to keep going all the way through the season. Uh, it's going to be amazing. I'm so, I'm just, I can't wait to see what that is. And plus, I'm still looking forward to doing the last half of the 90s, the wrap up show at the end, which is always fun. Yeah, and, that is a good time. Oh my gosh. So, a lot of good stuff. So, thank you, Ben. This is like your fourth now, right? Fourth? That's right. Thank you. Yeah. Yeah. And Jake, this is yeah. like your hundredth. <laughs> so yeah, like... Give or take, I don't remember. Hundred, there's only been 62. Yeah, yeah, I know, I know. Okay. Yeah, thank you as always. And thank you, everybody who's listening to this. Thank you for paying attention to us. Thank you for listening at this point in the podcast. And thank you for all the suggestions you guys did. Thank you for being involved in the community. And please share... Just somebody who you know was alive in 1995, share this podcast (laughs) with them. Just this one. Thank you so much. And we will see you in two weeks with 1994 as we continue this wonderful trek through the 90s. I will see you in two weeks. God bless. See you then.